Hello, 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 hello. Uh, Fort Worth, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged in local issues. Thank you so much for being engaged and thank you so much for listening. My name is Anthony Sosa and I'm here today with Thomas Moore to discuss the debate between Governor Greg Abbott and Beto O'Rourke. This was a fun one. We kind of break down pretty much the whole debate. We just skip a couple of questions at the end because this is a little, it's a little longer than normal. Um, we also hit a couple of local news stories at the top. The links for all that, as always, for everything is provided below in the show notes. We also have below uh, the spreadsheet of the Democratic candidates for the election in November. So you can check that out. There's links to their websites and information about them. So you can look that up, what their offices are, information about those. So we know like what we're voting for, who we're voting for. Please use that spreadsheet. Um, and then also I, I got to be on the Funky Town podcast with Jeffrey Lord a couple of weeks ago. It was fantastic, fun conversation. I certainly enjoyed being on it. Shout out to Jeffrey, podcast godfather of Fort Worth. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and uh, so go check that out. The link to that episode is provided below. Please go subscribe to his podcast. Support all our local Fort Worth podcasts here uh, in, our, in our lovely community. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, I guess I'll read the rest of my liner and then we'll get going. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. You can sign up for our Substack at our website, justicereformleague.net, where we will occasionally post op-ed type articles if you would like to submit something to the Substack or have any episode ideas or additional stories that you would like us to cover. You can contact us on Twitter at FW Review, on Instagram at Fort Worth Freedom Review, and you can send us an email at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com. Here we go. Awesome. Welcome. So what's up, buddy? Um, I Before we get to the debate, um, which will be fun, and I'm really interested to hear what you've got to say on, on a lot of this stuff. Did you have a chance to watch any of it, by the way? I have a little bit of it. A little bit, some highlights. I watched some, yeah, I can see the end where uh, Greg Abbott looks really desperate. Yeah, man. Like, like he knows he got his ass kicked. He really didn't. I, I really don't think he came away from that, like, looking looking better. But uh, but we'll get that. And for the listener, you can judge for yourself. We're pretty much going to play it kind of topic by topic, question by question, and just, like, let the two of them say what they say. Obviously, we'll have our commentary. Um, but before we get to that, there's a couple of local stories I wanted to hit. Um there was I can't I don't think we mentioned this last time because of the uh, election, but because of the candidates, which, by the way, we're also going to provide that if you didn't catch last episode, we have the uh, spreadsheet of all the Democratic candidates that are up in the election here in November. We encourage every listener and every voter to go check that out. Go check out their websites, read their platforms, see what these people are about. So you're educated on who you're voting for. Um, 
But kind of during this, Ken Paxton kind of made it made some national news. Uh, Ken Paxton, old. I wish we had a nickname for him, Slippery Ken. I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't really work. Um, you know, the guy who's been doing all of the illegal things as our attorney general for years and years now, various investigations under his belt. Well, he got served a subpoena. What is this, Thomas? Like two weeks ago or something three weeks ago yep and yep. ran like i guess his wife saw the guy and she was like yeah i'll go get my husband and like he was standing at the front door and like they just left him standing there for like 20 minutes and then all of a sudden the garage door is opening and ken paxton's like trying to hop in the truck that his wife had just started so he can like bail without getting served and the dude serves him but they drive off and it's this whole thing uh subsequently the judge had was like had like quashed the subpoena and was like no we're not going to do this but the new story that is linked below essentially says um i'll just kind of read it real quick uh federal judge has ordered te texas attorney general ken paxton to testify in an abortion rights lawsuit u.s district judge robert Pittman had previously quashed the subpoena which paxton fled his home to avoid being served in a hearing last week Lawyers representing abortion rights nonprofits asked Pittman to reconsider and require Paxton to testify. Pittman granted their motion on Tuesday. And continuing on, it says these nonprofits called abortion funds brought the lawsuit in August, seeking assurance that they will not be criminally or civilly penalized for helping Texans pay for abortions out of state. They have argued that Paxton's statements on social media and in the press make it clear that the state's top lawyer believes the abortion funds can and should be prosecuted for their work over state lines. So that's kind of what this is all about. Um, it's about these organizations kind of making sure, hey, we want to be able to do this and not not be breaking the law, even though Ken, his, his rhetoric has been, you know, saying the opposite. That's a Texas Tribune article. So what do you what do you think, Thomas, about about Ken doing all this? Is this is this his M.O.? I'm legitimately surprised this guy hasn't caught, been caught doing cocaine at any point. Like, this is... <laughs> the, you know how you have a little bit of faith in humanity, and then you see a mother <clears throat> like this, and he's still, like, doing okay in the polls? Like, yeah, I don't... Yeah, man. That's, I, that's right now. How do we keep... So, like, let's talk about that for a second. Um... What is the deal? Like, right, like this, this election cycle, you know, this is super important. The midterms coming up. This is like one of the biggest midterms in, in decades and, you know, in recent memory here for Texas, as far as like what the, what the consequences of the outcome will be. Um, and like Abbott's been doing all this crazy stuff. He's like not really doing things that most Texans want or on board with. We just have like the radical conservatives that are like kind of, yeah, the same for Ken Paxton. Same for Dan Patrick. Like these guys are like bonkers. Um, but it, what, what, where, did, where's the fear coming from? It seems like everyone's terrified of Democrats, like taking control of Texas. Like, what do you, what is, what do you think they're scared of? Like, like, I don't know. See, here's the thing. Like, um, Here's what I feel like. I feel like conservatives for FDR say, you know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself and said, you know what? 
that's good. We're just going to scare everybody. And that's that's been their whole platform this entire time. Like, But, like, is it, you know, like... Dark, is it communism? Dark Brandon had a good... He had a good point when he was like, what are Republicans for? What do they stand for? They don't stand for... No, they anything. don't. No, they don't. It's just not, like, not, not change, not the other, not the new. Like, you hear about this Herschel Walker abortion thing, all of a sudden everyone's like, I don't care. That person's a... I'm like, I'm sorry, but you guys were really gung ho about like how abortion is murder, murder, and all this, and still, still one of your guys commits it. Then it's like, oh, it's okay. I mean, it really is. I think a little bit of like the team mentality. I just really want my team to win, um, at yeah. at, at all cost, you know. But like, I, I, I don't know. It's 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 really it's really like I don't know ignorant it's just really uh, like what do you actually think is going to happen on the flip side like what i mean by ignorant is like not just you know we're all kind of ignorant of how the process works right like that's why we kind of here exist as a podcast so we can all kind of educate ourselves like me and thomas include we're not experts on this stuff we're like figuring this out as we go too and just hoping that like we're you know mm -hmm. providing a, a resource but like what i mean by ignorant is like it, it, what the actual democratic party like actually is or actually stands for and like, I'm not going to speak about the Tarrant County party, but as the like national democratic party in general, the establishment party, like pretty inept, <laughs> like pretty not capable of doing very much like Biden, you know, granted has done some, some stuff as the president lately, which is, which has been good, but overall the party in general, like, what are you scared of? I guess is what my point is like, what, what do you, what do you think they're actually going to do? They don't really do anything. Um, but like the, I guess like kind of you're saying fear mongering, fear mongering, like scaring people, the Republicans are making it sound like the Democrats are, are powerful and, uh, and I just don't, I don't know. I just don't get that vibe. Like it's, it's just weird. So, okay. I guess we'll move on to another one. Um, we got the city council. So this, this story, this story is kind of, kind of, kind of crazy. Uh, we, we shouldn't be surprised by this and, and, and here on the cast, it's been a while, but we've also covered some of the shady dealings and, uh, you know, a little bit of corruption, a little bit of like classism that has taken place between the, uh, city manager's office and the Bass family and Sundance Square and like the crossovers therein. Uh, and there's a really, really good article that'll be, of course, linked below, uh, from the Fort Worth report titled city council stay silent on implications of city manager's recusal from Sundance Square. So I'm not going to, it's a, it's a really extensive article. It's, uh, I, I definitely recommend checking out the whole thing. Not going to cover the whole thing. But essentially, um, David Cook flew to Aspen, Colorado for a jazz festival to see Leon Bridges. And like, there's apparently some, like, this is was maybe like a diplomatic mission of like, spreading Fort Worth's goodwill and trying to, you know, get Fort Worth known as like a cultural music center in other parts of the country. So I think some Fort Worth organization, let's see if I can find it. No, I'm not going to find it. This paper's, I got too many papers. Um, it's in the article. Um, paid for, you know, was one of the sponsors for this jazz festival that was in Aspen. So I think they bought or they paid for like an entire night of the festival. I imagine it was, you know, maybe three or four nights. Uh, and so Leon Bridges plays on this one. The Bass family comes to see it, and they bring David Cook along with them on their private jet. Bass family claims this is a city 
you know, funded city, uh, you know, uh, oriented trip because there's like a, you know, a purpose for them going. It's not just a vacation. Uh, David Cook says, oh, no, that was just a vacation. It's not the city. The city that taxpayer dollars didn't pay for that. That was everyone just kind of spent their own dime on it. Uh, and so it's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because like if it was taxpayer dollars, like, you know, why are we sit using private jets? Why are we, you know, spending all this money? And then if it's not, which it's probably not, um, then we've got some, you know, conflict of interest going on here. Uh, so like, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? What do you make of all this? Did you hear about this, Thomas? I know I sent it last minute. Uh, no, I didn't hear about it until you said something, but, um, Here's what I think is going to happen. Um, if I had to be betting man, either they're going to try to shut this up or they're going to have a mock investigation, which, which is basically where they're going to say they're investigating. There's not going to be a lot going on. You know, in a just world, uh, there would be an attorney looking at this and being like, okay, um, if you use taxpayer dollars, um, you know, we either need to remove you as city manager, or you need re- you need to reimburse the city. But exactly, and so this the I guess the, the 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 headline of the story is weird. I mean, it's not weird, but they're emphasizing the city council on this, like in their decision making and their particular like silence on the issue. Um, but what they what it makes it sound like they didn't do anything. They did something. So the council decided, like they recused. David Cook. They said the council will continue to talk to our city attorney and see where the areas uh, we might look at improving existing policy, make it more clear. They kind of asked Mayor Maddie Parker for for stuff. They asked Michael Crane, Alan Blaylock, mm-hmm. Chris Nettles. They all declined to comment. Uh, Elizabeth Beck, Jared Williams, and Leonard Firestone did not respond to requests. Uh, and then Gina Bivens said she would need more time before she made a public response. So like no one said anything. And the, the questions that they were asking are these. How will the city's relationship with Sundance Square be affected moving forward? How sustainable mm-hmm. long term is the city manager's recusal? Um, what about the influence of city operations uh, and businesses supported uh, financially by the basses? These include like so Dick, if we don't know, because maybe a lot of us don't know this. Um, the Dickies Arena was funded in, in large part by the Bass family. So that's that's a property, that's a large venue, you know, right? That's that's a big economic moneymaker mm-hmm. for Fort Worth. Uh, and so the city has an investment in that. This is a pr- public-private agreement between, you know, Dickies uh, sponsoring that and paying for that. But so did the Bass family. Uh, then we've got the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo, which is a big national thing that we do every year that brings a bunch of money and, and tourism and people into Fort Worth. That is also funded by the Bass family. Uh, and then there is a nonprofit organization called the Sid Richardson Foundation that is also a Bass family foundation. Um, and so they, they're kind of saying, what about these operations and how are these the operations and the funding of these places going to be affected uh, with David Cook being recused? Um, so I guess another, what this kind of comes to too, and, and I'm again, don't know to the full extent of this and Thomas, please help me if, if you have a better idea, because I know you've spent more time kind of actively doing stuff in city government. Um, does the, the city manager, like, I think they're the ones that are kind of in charge of, you know, calling the shot on these deals. This isn't a mayor sort of thing. Like we have a separation in Fort Worth between the mayor's office and the city manager's office. Right, and so like this. Yeah, no. The, the yeah, city manager has an integral role in these. Like, this is 
This is not okay. Yeah, this is, you know, he's essentially another another executive who is, you know, more in, is not a political as position as it is more of like a bureaucratic sort of position. Like, hey, I'm, you know, making things work. But if you're making things work and signing checks, taxpayer checks, you know, city money to to you know projects that are funded by this family and vice versa you know things can get shady here and we know like if we're if any of us have you know listeners out there who've been living in fort worth for extended period of time like we all know the bass family like has historically run stuff around here since you know fort worth's inception um so this isn't anything new but uh this is just kind of you know uh, another example in a long case of examples especially with david cook because the last time we talked about this i don't remember how long ago it was maybe 10 episodes ago 15 episodes ago we talked about david cook and sasha bass and like late nights at sundance square what was it hotel uh drice uh and that whole fiasco on twitter so that's if you don't know what i'm talking about go back and check that out that's a that's a really interesting sort of scenario and just another example of the same sort of thing um, so I'm going to, before I wrap this up, I kind of want to just contextualize. So he's not going to be in charge of, let me see, let me just kind of read from this to, so they had a, um, doop -doop -doop. David Cook is not the final or sole decision maker in most situations involving other bass related entities, but rather city council or city boards or commissions, Tully says in a statement. Further, the city manager is committed to exercising the necessary recusals regarding city businesses as it relates to Sundance Square. And I think it's interesting there because they say he's not the final or sole decision maker in most situations. Um, however, the situation that he is, is the Public Improvement District, the PID, um, where he is the final decision maker. And this is a specific district in downtown uh, in regards to development, I believe near Sundance Square. So that is kind of one of those areas where it's like, well, no, he kind of does get to call the shots in this area. And this is now, you know, in the downtown area where these businesses are operating. So he's now recused himself. So now he's stepping aside. So now all of those decisions, I believe, are going to be made by the, what is it, the Fort Worth attorney? Let me get her name real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, Cook apologized, but it, it's, it's a pretty hollow apology. and. I'm just like flapping paper all over here. So I'm not going to waste any more of our listeners' times looking for this. But if you really want to know more about this, again, there's an extensive article down below. Uh, really good, really good work by the Fort Worth Report. And the last one I want to mention, this, I might just, we might need to do a separate episode on this in the future because I would like to spend a lot more time on it. But I want to get to the debate. Um, Tarrant County sends more kids to youth prisons than any other in Texas. Many blame this judge. This is the name, this is the title of an article that was originally pub published in the Texas Tribune, was like republished in the Fort Worth Report. Uh, pretty insane stuff. We have a judge who's up for re-election here in November, Judge Alex Kim, who is pretty much just sending- Let's get to it. Immigration. Oh, Immigration issues are especially on. relevant. All right, that was the debate starting without us. So I'm just going to go ahead and recommend that everyone please read this article about this judge here in Tarrant County and him sending 86% of the youths who enter his courtroom into jail and just kind of leaving them in there for weeks and weeks. Some of them aren't even convicted uh, of a crime or are charged with a crime, and they're still sitting in jail. 
So pretty heinous stuff. We'll have to explore it more uh, in depth uh, on, a, on a different episode. So without further ado, Thomas, are you ready? Yes. Ready for this? Okay, so the first question is going to be on immigration and border. Hold on. Do you, uh, I want to give due credit. I'll do it at the beginning. I'm not going to do it here. Credit to the, 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 the channel, the, uh, the company who put this on and publicized this debate. I want to give them credit, but I'll do it at the beginning of the podcast. All right. So this first question is on immigration and border. The first four, I believe, are on that. And if I remember correctly, we've just got like one of them. One of them is going to respond first, either Abbott or Beto, and then the other one is going to be given time to respond. I'll let it, I'll let the full clip play, and then Thomas, you and I can kind of talk about what what what's said. So here we go. Let's get to it. Immigration. Immigration issues are especially relevant here in the Rio Grande Valley. For years, U.S. Customs and Border Protection has ranked it as the number one area for migrants crossing illegally along the entire southwestern border. Many communities here have suffered enormous monetary costs. Governor Abbott, let's start with you, and you have 60 seconds with this question. What would you do to alleviate the financial burden placed on these communities? We've been working to respond to the disaster caused by the Biden administration that has caused such an economic burden on these communities. Uh, farms and ranches are, are run over. Communities are disrupted. Homes that are invaded. Uh, remember this, just two years ago, we had one of the safest borders in decades. But under the Biden administration, we have more people coming across the border than ever in the history of our country. Texas has responded by making sure that we have a National Guard and DPS uh, deployed uh, where they're making arrests and turning back illegal immigrants, as, as well as what we're doing to help local communities by busing them from uh, the area where Border Patrol is dropping them off uh, to sanctuary cities uh, in northeastern parts of the country. Uh, but what we're doing is making sure that we are keeping our community safe. And this is completely different than the way things would be uh, under Beto, because he said months ago, there is no problem on the border. He said that uh, he would reduce uh, immigration enforcement. He even said that 95% of people come across the border Thank illegally. You, he would allow to Okay, uh, Mr. O'Rourke, I want to I want to give you a, a chance to respond. And let me just repeat the question first for our viewers and for you. What would you do to alleviate the financial burden placed on border communities related to migrants crossing over 60 seconds, please? What we just heard from the governor is what we are likely to hear over the course of this debate. He's going to blame people like President Biden. He's going to try to lie about my record, and he's going to distract from his failures, whether it's his failure to keep the lights on in the grid, his failure to address school shootings, or his failure in immigration. We are eight years into his time as governor, and this is what we have on our border. In fact, $4 billion into Operation Lone Star, we're seeing not fewer, but more encounters at our border right now. What we need is a safe, legal, orderly path for anyone who wants to come here to work, to join family, or to seek asylum. If you come to this country, we expect you to follow the law. But on our side, we're going to make sure that our laws reflect our values and our interests. And I'm going to work with local leaders, Republicans and Democrats alike, to make sure that we have a Texas-based guest worker program to alleviate shortages that we have in our state for labor demands and reduce inflation and address supply chain issues as well. Thank you. All right. What did you think? Point, point to who? I got to give that to Beto because uh, the whole fear-mongering, the whole border fear-mongering, that's kind of been Abbott's... It's been one of his main tactics he's using to try to scare people into voting for him. Like, oh, Biden can't control this, blah, 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 you know. But his solution has literally been busting people to different, uh, different states and apparently helping the governor of Florida human traffic migrants as well. Um, yeah. Beto is actually saying he's going to be productive about this. Yeah, that's a great point. I, yeah, Beto actually offered like real solutions rather than kind of saying, I don't know, that's to me like Abbott's beating the same drum he's been doing since he's been in office. 
it's the same stuff and nothing's really changed, right? Nothing's really gotten better. And so it's kind of like, well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do different? And like Beto is actually offering solutions like he threw it there at the end, you know, addressing inflation, um, which isn't the border issue, but it's like he's tying this to other things. Like, look, everything is connected. So if we you, if we use this work program, if we get some people filling in other jobs, this will help take pressure off of these areas. Uh, yeah, no, totally. I agree. I mean, yeah, I guess I think after listening to the whole thing, Beto, I think, slays in this. I think Abbott had very few points where he he came across like making any sense. Um, but we'll we'll continue on. I do want to give a heads up. I guess I should have done this sooner. If you listener, uh, listen to podcasts at an increased speed. Uh, this may be uh, a little fast for you. I, I, when I recorded these just for time's sake to kind of help us with the length of the episode, I, I recorded these at 1.25 speed. So if Beto and Abbott sound particularly energized in their speech, that's why. Uh, and so if you are maybe, maybe slow back down just so, uh, you can kind of make out what they're saying. All right, let's, uh, Let's go to the next one. This is also on immigration. I believe this one's on busing. So here we go. And this was not on busing, but on the use of the National Guard down at the border. Mr. O'Rourke, I want to continue with the immigration topic now. You've criticized the deployment of National Guard troops to the border. Here's a clip of you speaking at a March rally in College Station. Our Guard members from Texas A&M who are on the border right now in Zapata and Webb and Hidalgo counties to go be part of a solution in search of a problem. A solution in search of a problem. More recently, you told the Houston Chronicle that you will put some troops on the border as governor. In 60 seconds, can you explain why your view on deploying troops has seemingly changed when it comes to the border? It hasn't. I've actually been to Zapata and Webb and the Maverick counties and listened to these members of the Guard who had less than a week to say goodbye to their families and to their careers and to, the, and to their communities to be part of the governor's political theater. Those aren't my words, those are their words. So far, we've lost the lives of eight Guard members. Four of them have taken their lives, and four of them have died in questionable circumstances, none of whom, by the way, was killed by anybody coming in to this country. Um, these Guard members say they have no powers to arrest or detain anybody. 10,000 Guard members, $4 billion, and it's been a complete failure, much as everything that the governor has done has been a failure for this state. What we need are solutions, not more stunts. Where we can have a strategic deployment on a voluntary basis for Guard members, let's do that. I've been consistent on that. Where we can partner with local sheriffs, with DPS troopers, let's do that. But we need to work on things like a Texas-based guest worker program to meet labor needs in our communities and ensure that our laws match our values. Thank you, Mr. Ward. So that was that question was just for him. And he I was going to say he didn't answer it, but he did there at the very, very end, saying for strategic hmm. deployments with voluntary, you know, troop, you know, sign up for it, I guess, like non-mandatory deployments. That's interesting. He says to be consistent on that. I've never I don't remember him ever saying that. What do you think of that, Thomas? Yeah, I never I don't remember him saying that either. Um yeah, I don't think we need troops at our borders, you know. I I do think this is a complete and total like uh show, you know. It's this is political theater 101. Yeah. No, absolutely. And like I I mean, that's that's a I I'm, I'm trying to consider consider the point of that. Cuz I mean, again, national the National Guard it's kind of a, a misnomer. The name makes it sound like it, these are federal troops. These are, these are state troops. Um, every state has a national guard. It's like their own state guard. Um, and so the governor has the authority over those troops and where they go and what they do. But like he said at the beginning, this is why, this is why I'm kind of confused by this, because he said at the beginning, those troops aren't doing anything. 
they're literally just standing there watching. And then when they see something, they have to go get somebody else. They can't do anything. Uh, and they're not doing anything. And like you said, we've had eight people die since they've been down there. The troops don't want to be down there. A lot of a lot of them are talking about, you know, you want to get into to labor conditions and labor rights. Uh, the conditions that they're having to live and work in are not great. They're being taken away from their families kind of at a short notice when they got sent down there because it was an emergency thing. Uh, they don't want to be down there. They're not very well equipped and they're not doing anything. So strategic deployments in certain places with volunteers, like to me, just sounds kind of like traditional establishment, democratic, like middle of the roading it, uh, you know, which like, am I surprised to see that from Beto? Of course not. Like, you know, he's not he's not Bernie Sanders. You know, he's not uh, on the on the far left like that. He is very much like your Obama style Democrat. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess that's disappointing to me that that response. I mean, like, I'm glad he's talking to the troops. I'm glad he's acknowledging their plight. Uh, but I don't know. There's other I don't know. Am I being too negative, Thomas? Am I pooing it too much? No, no, you're. You're poo-pooing it just the right amount. <laughs> okay, uh, please still go vote for Beto, right? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to be like, don't vote for the guy. Like, obviously, we have to get Abbott out of here at all costs. Full stop. End of story. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Call it like we see it. I want. I don't want to just give Beto like you know just free reign to say and do whatever. All right, I guess so. This one's the one that's on busing. So let's see. I think this one is directed towards Abbott, if I remember. So let, here's this. Governor, I want to talk to you. You talked about uh, migrants and the busing of migrants. Many migrant advocates and Democratic elected officials have expressed concerns about the treatment of migrants being bused from Texas to other states and cities. Here's New York Mayor Eric Adams talking about that just last week. And when we reached out to Governor Abbott, it stated, can we coordinate? Can we identify, you know, who's traveling here that we don't have to guess this? They refuse to do so. The White House has called this a political stunt. Governor Abbott, is this a political stunt? And has there been coordination with the states and cities these migrants are being taken to? And if not, why not? You have 60 seconds. So this operation began after meeting with local officials, uh, sheriffs, mayors, police chiefs, and county judges, where they were overrun with the number of migrants that Border Patrol had dumped into the, to their tiny little communities. They needed relief, and busing was one of the ways of providing them relief, and thus began the process of, of busing the migrants to cities that self-identified as sanctuary cities. Mayor Adams has never called my office, never talked to anybody uh, in, in my administration, uh, and so what he's saying is just flat out false. There has been communication between non-governmental organizations in Texas, as well as the ultimate location, whether it be Washington, D.C., or New York. But going back to what Bethel said, he's, what you showed on video earlier was what happens throughout this entire campaign where Beto continues to flip-flop on issue after issue after issue. He's flip-flopped on the border issue. He's uh, flip-flopped on the energy issue, such as uh, energy jobs and the Green New Deal. Uh, he's flip-flopped on defunding the police. Whether it's one issue or another, he keeps changing positions. I want to be clear, though. You say that Mayor Adams has never called your office. Correct. Thank you. Mr. O'Rourke, I want to follow up on this. You've called the busing of migrants a political stunt as well. Why shouldn't sanctuary cities share the burden of what's happening on the Texas border? You have 30 seconds. Look, I, I live on the border. No one cares more about the security and safety of the border than those who are raising our children there. I also served as a city council member there. And in my time working with law enforcement, working with state and federal partners, we were able to help make El Paso, Texas, one of the safest cities in the United States of America. It's because we were looking at solutions instead of these stunts. I just want to remind everyone, this guy's been governor for eight years, and this is where we are today. Some of the worst levels of engagement, encounters, fentanyl trafficking, and human smuggling that we've seen. That's Mr. the Rourke, result please, of stunts instead of solutions. The, stick to the time. I'm pleased. Thank you. See, I got So a little getting a little snippy now. They're, both of them started starting to like snip and attack each other a little bit. What do you think of that? Here's what 
here's what I don't appreciate about the moderators here. They're letting Greg Abbott talk his shit, and they're ba- barely letting Beto defend himself. Like, the fuck? Yeah, it's... They, yeah, uh, the, the moderators are, are particularly... They kind of remind me of, like, like uh, substitute teachers that are trying to, like, lay it down real hard, but, like, don't have... You know the relationship built up yet or whatever, and they're like, "Please, but you'll mm-hmm. there's going to be both of them kind of do it as the thing goes on, and the moderators get equally mad at both of them, if I remember correctly." Uh, and it's it's just kind of funny because I don't know. I think a lot of times this is what people want to see. Uh, like, hey, let's talk about the point of a debate for a second before we like continue on. Like these televised debates kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Thomas, where like the border is a spectacle and a show. These, these debates are too. Uh, and I, I'm not sure how, you know, effective these things actually are in swaying voters. I think, you know, like the media, especially back in the 90s and the early 2000s, would always focus on this like sliver of independent voters who were actually undecided and like actually don't know how they feel about the issues. Um, but I think for the most part, like that, those people really don't exist in very large numbers. Like, sure, they exist, but like, are they enough to to swing elections left or right? I think most people know how they feel about things. Uh, and again, this is kind of more of like my team. I want my team to do good. I want my player, my star player, to get some hits in and to get some points up mm-hmm. on the other guy. Uh, and like, debates are a, are a platform for that. And this is why like Trump did so well. When, you know, when he was running in 2016, because he slayed at that, he sometimes didn't answer the question at all, but he would instead just like shred his opponent uh, and people loved it and ate it up. And like, you know, I, I wish with the, the American society or, you know, or maybe it's just human beings. I don't know. We're more, you know, patient and, and intellectual enough to actually like debate these answers on their merit and like select who they decide to vote for you know based on these answers and their policies and stuff but most people don't you know most people are just like i just like the guy or i just like that that or, or yeah. I like her or whatever do you think they got a, a mute button because there's that 2020 debate <laughs> with trump Biden that just looked like two old guys arguing in a retirement home i do remember th- there wasn't a mute button in this one they both are pretty respectful i think it's funny they got a real bell i don't know why i like that but there's something i like about that <laughs> ding like, uh, it just sounds kind of silly to me, but that, you know, they both kind of talk over, but not long enough to where they have to cut their mics. It's, I don't know. Right. It's kind of interesting to me, like, to be honest. And like, I guess maybe we can pay attention to this as we go through the rest of them. It almost feels forced to me on both of their parts. Uh, I feel like mm-hmm. Abbott is forcing it to try and attack Beto. Uh, I feel like he's being coached to do that. And I feel like the same for Beto. Like, it comes across more genuine. Beto actually seems mad. Like, he's pretty good about that. Like, you can tell when he's getting mad about something. Um, But I still get a little hint of, like, a little hint of coaching. Hey, which I guess you got to do that if you're going to take a debate seriously. You're going to get coached. I don't know. Uh, More nitpicking. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. I don't think either of them really answered that busting question very well. But they, they, they got some shots in. Let's do the next. Uh, what's the next one on? Question four is not. I didn't write it. It's another immigration question. Well, well here we go. I responded to what he just said. Absolutely. I'll, he, give you, he, I'll give you 15 seconds. He, he mentioned El Paso. The, the fact of the matter is the El Paso mayor, a Democrat, the El Paso City Council, Democrats, they are now busing 
more people than the state of Texas is busing. And he's not calling them out for them it's busing complete, people to completely other regions. different program. It, it, is, it is apples to oranges. And I'll tell you, this hateful rhetoric, this treating human beings as political pawns, talking about invasions okay, gonna, in Texas, Texas defending themselves. That's how people get killed at the Walmart in El Thank Paso. You, the gentleman in Hudspeth uh, that we just learned about yesterday. This is incredibly dangerous for Texas and is not reflective of our values. Okay. It's pretty strong, Beto. <laughs> He does sound like a uh, like a uh, substitute teacher, the moderator. Though I see what you're saying now. <laughs> like they're trying to trying to control these people, and there's like it's not gonna. Ha- they're 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 not gonna listen to you really. <laughs> I like how Beto like two seconds in, he's like, oh yeah, no. Fuck you. <laughs> but so I'm curious. I don't know anything about the busing program in El Paso for migrants, but I'm get, I'm willing to bet. Um, that it's like legitimate and that they do have agreements with certain probably nonprofits in certain parts of the country where there's like, you know, a program where people can go here to get. I know I'm, I'm trying to think there's a there's a big population. I forget what state it's in. It's in the northwest, like in Nebraska or something of immigrants. And like it's kind of these small towns, but it's been helping their local economies, getting a bunch of new people in there. Um, so a lot of these cities are kind of been dwindling over the past century. Uh, so this has been, a, been has been a positive thing. That's different. I don't know if that's exactly what's going on, but I'm assuming that's what Beto's talking about. That's different than just the governor willy nilly going to just put people on buses and send them to places that they don't like because there's Democrats running those places and just being like, good luck. Um, that's, you know, not the same thing at all. At all. Uh, OK, I think the next one we're moving on from the immigration onto the the, you know, all four of these topics, the major topics are pretty hot. Here's gun restriction. So this one's particularly on bringing the rifle age up to 21, which Thomas, what do you think? What do you think about that? Bringing the rifle age up to 21? Well, they should, you know, I, I never, I never saw the wisdom in letting anyone have a gun, even if they don't know how to shoot it, you know, mm-hmm. like that doesn't make sense to me. And it also doesn't make sense to have like these, highly capable rounds of ammunition and these high caliber weapons yep. uh, available to particularly impressionable youth who are quite frankly, you know, nine times out of 10, there's some incel kid yep. who didn't get hugged enough. We, uh, exactly. And now they want to shoot everybody. Yeah. And that's one of those things. Like if you take care of those most vulnerable in society and they're taking care of, you know, there's various ways to do this with various groups of people. Um, they, then they're not going to be inclined to do things like this. Like, I don't know what we can do about the guns. I don't think we're going to get all the guns off the street in America, but we can make society healthier and better. And if people are in a healthier, better place in their lives and society and their lived experience, um, then they're less likely to do things like this. Yeah, we had a scare at my school uh, on Thursday before we got out for the weekend. Um and so, like, nobody showed up on that day. Like, two-thirds of the students didn't come because of the, the you know, email notification and the phone calls the parents got the, the morning of. So, yeah, this stuff's real. Uh, it does impact our lives. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, too, Thomas. Um, so here we're going to hear Beto give his take and then Abbott respond uh, with his. I think that's the order that it goes in. So... I'm just going to keep, we're like five seconds away from the audio clip. So I'm just going to keep talking like I am right now until we get to the clip, which is about to start now. First, there's no reason why a little girl like that should ever have to say anything like that. There's a reason why these parents are angry and they're rightfully angry. Uh, And I can feel their pain. No No parent should lose a child. 
and we want to do everything we can to make sure that does not happen. We want to end school shootings, but we cannot do that by making false promises. It's a false promise to suggest that we can pass a law that will be upheld uh, by the Constitution uh, to raise the age, and here's why. The most recent Federal Court of Appeals decision on this particular issue said that, that it was unconstitutional for a state to raise the age from 18 to 21 uh, for a person to buy an AR-15. So any attempt uh, to try to, to raise the age is going to be met uh, with it being overturned. So we need to get to the bottom of what is really ailing our communities, and that is the mental health that is leading people to engage in school shootings, and Texas is already addressing that. Just, just a quick follow-up, uh, Belvin. Take 15 seconds to answer this. You're a former attorney general. You've never shied away from a legal fight. Are you against this proposal because you feel like it's unconstitutional or you believe that it's unnecessary? You it, personally it, believe that it's unnecessary. Purely from a legal uh, position, based upon what that Court of Appeals decision ruled, and importantly, based upon what the Supreme Court decision said in a June opinion that changed the way that that Parkland case was determined. I know how the Parkland case was, was determined. Florida is going to have its law overturned because Thank of this you. new Supreme Court decision. Thank you, Governor. Mr. O'Rourke, in 60 seconds, can you uh, please explain your position on raising the age limit to purchase AR-15 style weapons? First of all, I'm going, follow, I'm going to follow the lead of those families from Uvalde. That's who I'm doing this for. In fact, uh, many of them drove more than five hours, 280 miles, to be here today, even though they're not allowed in this theater because of the governor's conditions, because they want to hold him accountable because it's been 18 weeks since their kids have been killed, and not a thing has changed in this state to make it any less likely that any other child will meet the same fate. All we need is action. The only person standing in our way is the governor of the state of Texas. In Florida, after the Parkland shootings, it was 23 days for that Republican governor to raise the age. And in those states where the age has been raised, mass shootings are down 80%. So yes, we can raise the age to 21. And as governor, I'll bring Republicans and Democrats around the table to do that. Uh, after all of these mass shootings, this governor has done nothing except make it easier for people who should not have a firearm to carry them publicly. And this is what we get as a result. We need change. Yep. It's pretty good, Beto. I like Beto having the last word on stuff like this. Uh, he just comes out a lot stronger. I just feel like that between those two, yeah. you know, it just sounded better. He made more sense. It just sounded good. I mean, then obviously, you know, Abbott's got nothing to say. He's like, yeah, it's a tragedy, yeah, but I'm not going to do anything about it because it's unconstitutional. Like, here's the deal. Here's the deal, man. This gets me so worked up when I hear people say this crap. Like, I, I'm guessing because he's governor, he's talking about the Texas Constitution. Um, but... Uh, this is what I'm about to say holds true for the Texas Constitution and the United States Constitution. And that is that these documents are breathing, living, changing documents that can be and should be changed to, you know, uh, adapt with the times. Like, this is why we have amendments. And like last yeah. November, we voted on, I think, 10 amendments to the texas constitution to update it and fix them and some of them are like really random things like people being able to do a raffle at a rodeo but like we're up there <laughs> oh i guess that was against the law at some point but now we, we need to update it with the times so any of this fucking bullshit about oh it's unconstitutional then change the fucking constitution bro like that's what it's for this is a society this is a this should be a people-centered society and so we need to make the laws reflect what people need right and so like if oh Go, we just can't do it. We just can't protect people, which is what we need, right? We need protection. We can't do that because the Constitution says can't change the law in 18. I mean, Florida is like usually the worst of the two when compared to Texas. But in this instance, like they've already fixed this problem. Uh, it's just a bad look. Like 
and it's there's it's just not it's just no excuse. And I, it drives me nuts that conservatives constantly, constantly, constantly act like the Constitution is like the Bible or something, and like written in stone, and not you know I guess oh I guess it's the commandments that are written in stone. Forgive me, but like not changeable, right? Like right. no, the whole thing is supposed to be changed. Uh, it's just it's just an ignorance of you know what this is all supposed to be about. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, what did you, what did you, what do you, what did you think of, of Beto's response to all that? I like how Beto's just pointing out facts. He's like, yeah, it took this governor, you know, 21 days to raise the age. And that guy was a Republican from Florida. What the hell is this guy? What the hell is this guy? (laughs) Yeah. And that's just facts, right? Like he's not, I mean, he's just, that's just true. Like you can't even argue with that. So, okay, yeah, another another point to Beto. I don't know. I guess we haven't been keeping score the whole time, but I think think he's doing pretty good. Here's another one on guns and, like, whether or not, I believe this one's directed to Beto, whether or not he's going to take away people's guns because he said that, you know, in the election and stuff. Um, so here's, here's this one. Governor, we ask you about red flag laws, uh, and those are laws which could stop uh, an individual with a, uh, potential intention to harm others from purchasing a gun. And you said about that, quote, I would not support a red flag law that would take guns away from people without due process. Now, a lot has happened in those four years. Are you open to implementing red flag laws today? You have 30 seconds. Well, let me tell you what I support and I don't support. What what I support is uh, making it a felony uh, for someone to lie on a background check. I signed that into law last year. Uh, I uh, approve of expanding background checks to include juvenile records. Also approve of making it a crime for criminal gangs to buy or to possess a gun. But I'm still against uh, red flag laws for the reason that it would deny a, a lawful Texas gun owner their constitutional right to, to due process. Thank you, Governor. Mr. O'Rourke, you have been criticized at times for your positions on gun control, including this comment you made in 2019 while running for president. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. But in February, you told reporters in Tyler that you were, quote, not interested in taking anything away from anyone. So which is it, uh, Mr. O'Rourke? Are you for confiscating AR-15 style weapons or not? You have 30 seconds. After losing 23 of my neighbors to somebody armed with a weapon of war, um, after talking to these families who could only identify their children in Uvalde by the shoes that they were wearing, it's clear to me that the only place that an AR-15 or an AK-47 makes sense is on a battlefield. But as governor of the state of Texas, I need to be focused on what we can get done. Raising the minimum age of purchase to 21, we can get that done. A red flag law, we'll get that done. Universal background checks, we will get that done. We'll make progress and take action where this governor has failed. Thank you, Mr. Ward. So just to be clear, yes or no, are you for confiscating AR-15 style weapons? I'm for making sure that we make progress. Those families that I was just with from Uvalde want us to take action. This is the common ground. I've listened to Republicans and Democrats alike on this. We can agree on this much. Raise the age to 21, okay. red, red flag law, and universal Thank background Thank you, Mr. Ward. I just wish he'd say no. You know, like that's yeah. just, it, it looks slimy when you don't directly ask, answer the question, especially when they ask it again and you just give the same answer you gave the first time. Now, like he is saying no, like it's implied in what he's saying. He's saying, I, you know, essentially he's saying, I don't think that's possible in Texas, which is true. It's not. Um, so he's like, I'm going to work on things that are possible. Um, but he should just come out and say, no, I'm not going to try and do that. Cause I don't think it's possible. Like you just say that rather than, well, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on that. Like, just, just, I don't know. That's this to me is something that like Democrats have his and, and Republicans, I don't, you know, just politicians in general. Right. 
um, have just do this slimy, slimy thing where they don't directly answer the question. Like, I don't know. I think I think it's pretty obvious now that like he's not going to do that. And I don't I don't know. I guess if you're mm. scared that he's going to do that, maybe it's not obvious. I don't know. What do you think, Thomas? Well, I think that the NRA has made it almost impossible. Like, I, I hate the lobby, but they've accomplished the goal of, for the past, you know, what, going on 50 years, making it an almost political suicide to try to pass any meaningful gun legislation. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You look at other countries, it was like one, maybe two tragedies. And they passed regulations, and it's just not even a problem. These yeah. tragedies are now happening every week in this country. In this country. Oh yeah, we're just sensitized to it. Yeah. Not, no one's doing a damn thing. Like you know, you yourself, you had a scare at your school just this week. Yeah, that's not normal. That's not okay. It's the third one we've had this year, and we're like seven weeks, eight weeks into the school year. Yeah. This is the biggest yeah, one. That, what, the ones went that one every two weeks? Yeah, almost, yeah. Yeah. So the kids are, you know, not happy. And then, you know, mentally not in a good place when you're scared all the time, especially no. at school where you got to be every day. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, we have to do something about it, right? So I guess speaking on that, continuing on, uh, we've got a couple of cl clips on Uvalde. Uh, and so I'm going to scrooge this one up. Um, should start here in a second. Yeah. Mr. O'Rourke, I want you to speak to parents of victims and really all parents statewide worried about their children's safety at school. What would you do if elected to prevent this from happening again? You have 60 seconds. Just like you, I'm a parent with Amy. We're raising Ulysses and Molly and Henry in El Paso. And we are well aware that it's been 18 weeks and this governor has not lifted a finger to make it any less likely that any of our kids will meet that same fate. We need change. The governor just talked about mental health care. Um, we are dead last in the nation when it comes to mental health care access. And he took $211 million from the mental health care budget of the state of Texas. He'll talk about police funding. He failed to fund the police radios in Uvalde, even when that police department asked for them. And you know what? Those radios failed on that day. I want every parent out there to know that the lives of your children are more important to me than the NRA or any special interest or any other political consideration. I will prioritize them ahead of everything else, and we will take action, and we will make progress. We'll bring Republicans, Democrats, independents alike together, and we'll get the job done where this governor has failed to do so. Governor Abbott, to you now. The families of the victims, the Uvalde School District, the Uvalde County Commissioners, the Uvalde City Council, all asked for you to call a special session in the wake of the tragedy. You did not, despite calling them on several other issues in the past. Can you explain why you didn't call a special session? You have 60 seconds. I will, but I must first respond uh, to what we have to respond to every single day. Beto's campaign continues to spew uh, lies and false information. He said two things that are completely false. He said that we're, we're last in mental health care. The fact of the matter is Texas is now 27th in mental health care because of funding that I provided. Texas has provided more than $25 billion for mental health care in the last three sessions. He also said that we did not fund police radios in Uvalde. Completely false. We provided $1.6 million for Uvalde alone for their police radio systems since I've been governor. So Beto continues to provide false information. What I want to make sure that the leaders in Uvalde know is, as, as we've shown, we don't need to call a special session in order to take action. Uh, for six consecutive days uh, after the shooting took place, I issued directives to make school safer and respond to the emergency in Uvalde. Uh, and then I remain engaged with the mayor, with the local leaders. 
it could have been worse. That's what you told those families. That's what would, you told that would, community. And you've done nothing to help them. Mr. Ask O'Rourke, them yourself, Mr. O'Rourke, Mr. Governor, Mr. O'Rourke, O'Rourke, we're not done with this topic yet, so you will have your say. <laughs> so he just jumps in there at the end. It's not his turn to speak, and he just starts going at him. Uh, yeah. Beto, at this point in the debate, could knock the doctor out, and I would not have a problem with it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I would not. It was interesting, like visually. Uh, I know this is obviously a po- podcast, right? Like we're not seeing it, but um, it was a debate where they're both sitting down because obviously wheelchairs. I mean, uh, excuse me, Abbott is in a wheelchair, right? Um, and so it wouldn't look visually appropriate if like Beto is standing and Abbott is seated. So Beto was seated too. They both were seated at tables. Um. Which was interesting. I don't think I'd ever seen a debate like that. I guess I didn't watch Abbott debate last time he was up. Um, so it was weird. So like the, you know, the energy that you sometimes see when people are standing and walking around on stage or whatever, uh, that wasn't there. So it's like this different type of, I feel like, like reserved aggression that's coming across like verbally <laughs> rather than like pointing fingers and like, you know, shaking fists or whatever. Like, I don't know. Uh it is it is interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, like there's. I just think Abbott's got nothing here, right? There's just like nothing he can say or do. Like, one is obviously being sympathetic to the issue, uh, and and you know, Be- Beto is to me coming across that way, uh, and then Abbott's just, you know, I don't know. I feel like he's just standing his ground on this whole thing, not wanting to budge on it. And it's like, dude, people, people died. Like special session. I don't, do you remember Thomas? Because I can't off the top of my head. I'm ho- I'm hoping you remember. We had three special sessions last year that were called. And if we don't know, if we're maybe if we're a new listener or forgot, because there's so much going on, right? Um, Texas, our legislature, our our Texas Senate and Texas House only meets once every two years, and it, we meet from like the end of February to May. And so we're we have that. That's the next session's coming up soon. So in the meantime, when that's not going on. Like there's no legislating going on, except when the governor calls a special session. And we had three last year. Do you? Rem- I remember one of them was about the the winter storm, and I think one of them was about abortion or the abortion. I think bill? the other one was. I think the other one was voting rights. Voting rights. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. It was. I like- think so. I think that was the one where Tlerico and the Texas Democrats literally fed fled to that's right dc to try to pass some voting legislation and that's they right. completely dropped the ball yeah yeah we covered that on the podcast thank you thomas yeah that's exactly what it was so they were trying to do voter restrictions in texas trying to restrict the and and it passed it ended up passing after the big but they they fought it as long as they could i think it went on for like six weeks or something like that where the democrats yeah. wouldn't meet they wouldn't be able to meet quorum to hold the vote the democrats would like bail uh, and so then eventually, like the sergeant at arms was supposed to like hold them and like make them be there in attendance so they could vote. So then they left the state so they couldn't be forced to be there. And they, they flew to D.C. and they hid out in D.C. for like a couple of weeks. Uh, but then they were forced to come back home and they did. And then the vote passed and the the restrictions on voting. I don't remember exactly even what they were. I have to go back and listen to that episode. There's been so many. There's been I want to say five or six different types of voter restrictions that have passed in the past couple of years, um, pretty much since the Trump administration. So, uh, you know, the Trump Abbott got elected in uh, when Trump got elected in. So 
kind of all, you know, uh, got elected. I guess won his second term at that time. So that's when he was up for election too. So, okay. All right. Let's keep going. Let's kind of start uh, wrapping this up. Okay. This next one I have titled Agro Beto. So there he was. He was like kind of at the end of this last clip getting pretty aggressive. So I believe this is, uh, I kind of, this is like most of the questions from the debate. There might be one or two that I left out or edited down. So if you want to see the whole thing in its entirety, uh, the link will be provided below. But here's in the middle of another question about Uvalde. On the Fort Worth Freedom Review. But, but Governor, I want to follow up with you. There's a, there's a regular session coming up in January. Will you make school safety an emergency item for lawmakers when they meet? You have 15 seconds. Absolutely. Just like I did uh, in past sessions. This is going to be an emergency item. Over the summer, I requested special legislative committees to begin working already so that they will have ready when we begin the session to address you about an emergency. the broader-based issue across the entire state of Texas. If it's an emergency, you mentioned special session now. What, why wait till the next year? Mr. Rourke, a question for you now. Gun violence still, is a leading cause of death for children and teenagers in the state. Why are you sir, waiting please, to save lives? We, we need to move on. We've got a lot of topics we <clears> want to get to, but we want to stay on you, Valerie, because there's still some questions that we have here. So I appreciate you staying within your time. Uh, Mr. Rourke. So what do you think? Do you think that makes Beto look strong or do you think it makes him look like an asshole i mean i don't see why he can't be both <laughs> fair fair okay <laughs> that's a good point um yeah again i don't know it i always kind of have two minds about this because it goes back to the whole point of debates like it could be uh, you know like i wish he would just follow the rules and blah 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 but that's not interesting, and that's not what people oftentimes want to see on the debate. They want to see the spectacle. So I don't know, listeners, let us know. Here's what, what I love think. about. Here's what I love about how this is moderated. It's like here's this really long and complicated question with all this nuance attached to it. You have 15 seconds to respond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, and then it's like, Ben, how do you feel about it? You got like five seconds, but we're not going to tell you that. It was a short debate. It was an hour long. And I'm, I'm, you, the <laughs> big ones are usually like 90 minutes, if not longer. Um, yeah. So, th yeah, that was that was pretty funny. They, they, they really don't have a lot to work with here. So here's the next one. I'm uh, Mr. O'Rourke, Valley School District Police Chief Peter Adondo, who led the initial law enforcement response at Rob Elementary, was fired. Is there anyone else who should be held accountable for the mistakes made in that hallway in Rob Elementary that day? You have 30 seconds. The governor said it himself in an interview to Gromer Jeffers last month. There should be accountability up and down the ballot, beginning with Greg Abbott. I think he has lost the right to serve this state in the most important position of public trust. Um, furthermore, we know that there were 91 DPS troopers for whom he is responsible who were on the other side of an unlocked door, some for more than 70 minutes. There is a complete failure to hold people responsible, accountable. Those families still do not have justice. As governor, I will make it my priority. Thank you, Mr. Rourke. Governor, now to you. There was it. Okay. I'll give you 15 seconds if you want to respond to what well, you said. Well, I was, I was going to answer your que the question. I thought you were going to ask me. But... I've got another question okay. for you. Uh, right after the shooting, you said this. But the reality is, as horrible as what happened, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. You heard sure. Mr. O'Rourke bring it up. You later said you were misled about what happened inside Rob Elementary. If my memory serves me right, that was the day after. So we were just moments after what had happened. Who misled you, and will they be held accountable? You have 30 seconds. Everyone in that briefing room that provided me the information about what law enforcement did, what that comment was based upon was information by law enforcement about all the children in all the other classrooms that they evacuated uh, during the time when the shooter was on the campus. What they did not tell me at the time, however, was that there were dozens, if not more, 
of other law enforcement that were hanging around in the hallway for over an hour without uh, engaging in the Columbine, Columbine protocol and going in and immediately removing that shooter, which is what they were supposed to do. And because they failed to do that, there does need to be accountability, not just for Pete Arredondo, uh, but also for local law enforcement. DPS officers are under investigation as we speak right now. There needs to be accountability for law enforcement at every level for not following the Columbine protocol. You won't be sure to hold DPS troopers accountable. They, so, yes, you, as a yeah, in a word, yes. But second, there are at least seven who are under investigation as we speak right now, two of whom are on suspension as we speak right now. And so we, I expect DPS officers and law enforcement across the state to follow the Columbine protocol. Governor, Thank the, you, the Governor. buck stops on your desk. You blame everyone else. You blame Joe Biden for we other need, issues. We need to move you, on. You, you blame we need to move on, on topics. And actually, Sally, Sally will ask the next question. I do, and I think you're both going to want to talk about this next topic. <laughs> I mean, I think they're both, I mean, Beto's right. The buck stops with you. You're the governor. And a lot of these troops, state troops are under your authority. Um, I I don't know. At the same time, the governor can't be responsible for every single officer and the decisions that they make. Like it, it is, I don't know. It is one of those things where it's like, if you're the quarterback, you get blamed for everything. Like, it's like, Yes, hold people accountable, but that's like even that based on the criminal justice system that we have here in Texas, right? Like the system is broken. So like, what is he going to do with the system to hold these guys accountable? Like, what can he actually do? I haven't seen, I haven't seen Abbott do anything. Like, for instance, I do think he has the ability to get rid of local police officers. I'll double check that, but. Sheriffs, I I um, imagine. I imagine he could at the county level. Um, Yeah, but there's. Like, I don't know. here's the thing. I think it's interesting that we got Abbott to say he wants to get rid of these cops, right? You know, back to blue, really. <laughs> yeah, but the, see, Bad Apples is like their narrative, right? Like, oh, the, the bad, there's not all, the system isn't broken. It's just some bad cops. And so, like, to them, these are examples of those bad cops. But, like, to me, right. like, we should be asking the question, why does Uvalde, I don't remember the exact population of the city, but it's, like, under 5K, right? Like, it's, like, a little bitty town. It's a small town. Why do they have a small town? So, here's, here's what happens. Okay. In a major city, if, if a cop fucks up royally, he's fired, but he doesn't have any criminal convictions. You know what happens afterwards? They usually get a job somewhere else, and they usually yeah. end up in rural areas yep. that don't have as much oversight yep. and don't have as much training. And they need the okay. They need the, they need the manpower too, right? So you end up with situations like a ball where you know they don't have the, which. Here's my love. They've had crisis training. They've had all this stuff. Like that is where the cost patriots go to go to collect a check. Okay, is these rural areas? Yep. <laughs> and then you know there's that you've got the lower quality you've got the the militarization of police like why does a city of that size need a SWAT team like why and what they they have those pictures that were right. on the internet of all their gear and stuff like why do they even need all that especially if when the time maybe you know heaven forbid comes that you do that you do need that like not even going to use it right uh and I, and that's right. this is then this isn't just like oh that's just that one place in Texas that one squad or whatever right like no this is this is a systemic wide thing. Like if, if not for the whole nation, which I believe that it is um, at, at the very least, definitely in the state of Texas. So, I mean, I, I don't There's just so much that needs to be done on it. And so like, obviously we have one guy who Beto, who's going to like acknowledge these problems and do things to fix it. And we have one guy Abbott who's been running the state for eight years now, 12 years now, how, how two terms, I forget mm-hmm. how long the terms are six years or four years. Um, 
I guess they're off years, four years off your terms. Um, he's been doing it right, and so the, these these Eight problems. Years, I think. I think he. I think Abbott came into office in twenty fifteen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, this has all happened on his watch. So it, to expect him yeah. to like just you know come up with a whole new way of doing things like that's that's just not going to happen. That's just not how people or power works. So here's now we're moving on to the the other hot topic. The other there's so many. Uh, a bedorshin. Uh, so here we go. This one's about the Plan B pill. It's the topic of abortion. A recent Next Star, Emerson College, and The Hill poll shows more than half of those polled say they are more likely to vote in this election because of the overturning of Roe versus Wake. You both are very outspoken on this issue, but what I want to do tonight is really drill down on specifics. Governor Abbott, you recently sat down with my friend Gromer over here, and you talked about what women can do if they are victims of rape or incest. And here's a clip of that interview. Those victims can uh, access uh, health care immediately as well as to report it. Both of those have very meaningful consequences. By accessing health care immediately, they can get the Plan B pill uh, that can uh, prevent a pregnancy from occurring in the first place. Some health care advocates say emergency contraception like Plan B is often unavailable or it's too costly for women to afford. And trauma could prevent them from taking emergency contraception in the time frame that it's effective. So, Governor... We're going to start with you with these concerns that I just laid out. Is emergency contraception a viable alternative to abortion for victims of rape and incest? And you have 60 seconds, sir. So to directly answer the topics that you raised on the availability of it, uh, it's incumbent upon the state of Texas uh, to make sure that it is readily available. For those who are victims of sexual assault or survivors of sexual assault, the state of Texas pays for that. Uh, whether it be uh, at a hospital, at a clinic, or, or for someone who gets a prescription uh, because of it. And so uh, not only is it should be readily available, but the state of Texas is going to pay for it to make sure that it is available for them. Uh, but, Governor, 30 seconds, or, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you 30 seconds to answer this one. I still want to know, is Plan B the alternative when it comes to somebody who is pregnant from rape or incest? Well, it depends on what you mean by alternative. An alternative, obviously, uh, is uh, to do what we can to assist and aid uh, the victim. Uh, and that is to help get them medical assistance that they need uh, and the care that they need, but also uh, to know what their options are. They're going uh, to know that uh, the, the state, uh, through our alternatives to abortion program, provides living assistance, baby supplies, all kinds of things that can help them. Also, we've increased funding for prenatal, prenatal okay. and postpartum care. Thank you, Governor. Mr. So what did you think of that? Woke Abbott, is that you? I, yeah. <laughs> I would like, do, yeah. all of a sudden, he's he's like, He's pro contraceptives and pro health care. Yeah, Who's it's, gonna pay for it, Greg? Who's gonna pay for it, Gregory? It's weird because he has not backed up any of this with his actions, right? Like Oh yeah, no, just just to be clear, like if he wins re-election, none of this is happening. Yeah, of course not. But I didn't expect him to say that it would, you know, like, and that like, I think I think Texas does do it to a small degree, like small enough to where, like just enough to where you can say that Texas does it, but not enough to where it actually has any effect on anybody. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's the sweet spot on paper. It exists. But like she was saying, like people don't actually have access to it. But I think what this is, is is a reflection of the polling nationwide ever since the 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 supreme court decision over the summer and that is that you know being a you know negative on abortion being against abortion does not poll well 
So like, I think we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago where like conservatives are kind of flip-flopping on their position on it. Some of them are taking it off of their websites. Some of them are not emphasizing that on their campaigns. And so it looks like Abbott's part of this where he's like, you know what? Plan B is actually not that bad. And we actually do need it for some people. Um, and so like, that's a, uh, it's, it's. I'm waiting on the dog whistle. Didn't, didn't, when they, when they call a special session for abortion, wasn't there like a really big push to get rid of contraceptives too yeah. like yeah. because before abortion all the republican states were like competing to see who could restrict women more exactly and and you know you that, know what i'm saying yeah and that was like the legislature but he like but you know abbott echoes that stuff and you know uh uplifts that stuff as we say so like that's you know it it's 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 just weird to hear him kind of turn on it now. I don't know, you know, again, if it matters, I don't know if that's going to actually make Republicans mad or not. Like it might, I could see it making some people mad. Um, but yeah, so continuing on, uh, this one I ha is titled Abortion Fire from Beto. So let's see what he says about this. This is the one thing when I got to ask Beto a question back when he was running for Senate, uh, he, uh, I asked him at, in a Q&A what his one issue that he would not budge on, he would refuse to budge on. And he said that that issue was the woman's right to choose. Uh, and back in 2018, wasn't a hot issue, right? Like it's still still a good democratic talking point, blah, blah, blah. But like it wasn't like it is today, right? Where it's like people are voting on this issue. So let's see what he says on this. Award. We're going to stay on the topic of abortion here. Governor Abbott has said that you support abortion on demand. Do you support any limit on when a woman can't have an abortion? 60 seconds for this question. This election is about reproductive freedom. If you care about this, you need to turn out and vote. I will fight to make sure that every woman in Texas can make her own decisions about her own body, her own future, and her own health care. And I will work with the legislature and my fellow Texans to return us to the standard that Texas women won in the first place, Roe versus Wade. That's the standard that answers your question. But I've got to respond to this, this, this silliness on Plan B, this comment he made about eliminating rape in the state of Texas. This is an attack on women. More women have been raped in the state of Texas than any other state. There are 3,000 untested rape kits at DPS headquarters, meaning that our ability, our ability to bring rapists to justice has declined by half on this governor's watch. And it's arguable that rapists enjoy more victims, because, more, more rights uh, under Greg Abbott than their victims do because they can sue the families of their victims if they help their victim get an abortion and, and be able to win a $10,000 bounty Thank in the process. Thank you, Mr. Work. I'll give you a chance to respond, Governor. 30 seconds. So once again, I'm going to be doing this a lot. I have to point out a misstatement by Beto. I signed a law that eliminated the rape kit test backlog at the Texas Department of Public Safety. Uh, as, as it concerns uh, abortion, listen, Beto's position is the most extreme because he not only supports abortion of a fully developed child to the very last second before birth, he's even against providing medical care for a baby who survives an abortion. He's for unlimited abortion at taxpayer expense. That's Mr. not true. Work, it's completely a lie. Um, I never said that, and, and no one thinks that in, in the state of Texas. He's saying this because he signed the most extreme abortion ban in America. No exception for rape, no exception for incest. It begins at conception, and it's taking place in a state that is at the epicenter of a maternal mortality crisis, thanks to Greg Abbott, three times as deadly for black women. I will fight to make sure that every woman makes her own decisions about her own body, her own future, and her own health care. That's what most of us, Republicans and Democrats in this state, believe. Mr. Ward, just 15 seconds. Is there a limit that you support on women getting an abortion? That limit was decided in 1973 through a victory that Jane Roe and Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington won before an all-male United States Supreme Court. I want us to return to that. It was the law of the land for nearly 50 years until we Thank had the most you, extreme abortion Mr. ban Ward. in Grover the country. has the next question. Thank more, more facts. Yeah. <laughs> more yeah. Like, here's 15 seconds to answer this really, really complicated question. Like, I'm not saying 
that the people who hosted this debate are pro-Abbott. But I am saying that they cut, cut Beto off way more than Abbott does. I just Pretty think... Cut Abbott out. I mean, I think that's just... A, they're both getting the same 30 seconds, 45 seconds BS. But I think that's just a, a, a function of Beto actually having things to say. <laughs> you know? and yeah, so and Abbott's kind of like sitting there in his chair like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, like he's got points to make uh and not a lot of time to make them so he's trying to fit it in there abbott you know is just trying to trying to defend his position this is really i think in an offense defense perspective it really does seem like you know beto's on the offense which you have to be as a non-incumbent right like you are on the offense inherently uh okay so now we're we're getting close towards the end uh we've got a few more questions left these uh next two are on defunding the police uh, which is something that you and I uh, both have a lot of passion and, and, and experience with. So let's talk about that after he speaks on the Fort Worth Freedom Review. Thanks. Thanks, Sally. Uh, let's move to law enforcement. Mr. O'Rourke, you have been accused by Governor Abbott of supporting efforts to defund police. He may have mentioned it uh, tonight, actually. Here's a chance for you to set the record straight. Do you support measures to defund police? You have 60 seconds. Of course I don't, and, and no one does. Um, but let's look at my record. I think that's the best thing to look at. And then we'll look at the oh, um, on the El Paso City Council, Boo. I raised police salaries 12% in the six years that I served here. there. In Congress, uh, I funded $11 billion to local and state law enforcement across this country, including in Texas. I want to fund law enforcement, fund training so that everyone is treated equally under the law. And I want there to be accountability for when those officers abuse the public trust. But let, let's look at what Greg Abbott's done. When police and law enforcement begged him not to sign permitless carry, because it allows anyone to carry a gun in public without a background check, he turned his back on them, did it anyhow. <clears throat> Homicides have gone up 50%, and we now have gun violence as a leading cause of death for children and teenagers in this state. When the Uvalde Police Department asked for funding, he turned his back on them. He is not doing what keeps us safe. That's why you see the level of rape, violent crime, and homicide up on Greg Abbott's watch. Just a, a quick uh, follow-up, Mr. O'Rourke. Can you take 15 seconds to answer this? Uh, after the summer of 2020, did you uh, voice support for cities that cut their police budgets? Minneapolis comes to mind. Did you support those efforts? What I supported and what I continue to support is full funding for law enforcement, full funding that includes training to ensure that we're treating everyone equally under the law, and we definitely need accountability and justice. If someone abuses the power of life and death over our fellow citizens Thank you. without accountability, we lose the ability to keep our community Thank safe. Thank you, Mr. O'Rourke. Governor Abbott, you have spoken about uh, the growing crime and To me, uh, yeah, I was waiting for you. I don't know. You go first. Okay. I like how he has this opportunity, and he could have just, he punted this, right? Because I don't think, I, I think he's afraid this is going to be like the whole control in 2018. Again, right? Oh. Um, I would have, instead of focusing on like the whole fund or defund the police, I would have made sure to advocate for local communities having a seat at the table, you know? Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, on your on your city councils and stuff, you know, having a, you know, police oversight committee in every city, right? Yeah. With powers, right? So that the community feels like they're participating mm-hmm. in the law enforcement issues, right? So they can work better with police departments. So they can make sure training is getting done. Yep. 
so that we can address needs as they go. Look at that. I wrote the, I wrote the platform for them. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is what, you know, research has shown um, that this, this is what makes communities safer. This is what actually reduces crime uh, is those types of things. And we talked about this, you know, early, early when we started the podcast, within the first five or six episodes, we did a, a breakdown of the Sunset Commission report, which was a research. And there was a, another one, too. The name of it is escaping me where we, we broke down these two reports on Fort Worth PD and the recommendations that those reports made. And one of those recommendations is exactly what you're talking about, a citizen, a civilian oversight board, which a lot of cities have in other states. And I think there's a, maybe, maybe Austin has one, I'm forgetting, but we don't have one here. And this was when we covered the new police chief, when Ed Krause left and we got uh, Noakes in uh, they, they, uh, interviewed six different people. They brought them out as a panel. We did that as one of our episodes and we listened to all six of them. The one that we liked the most was the one guy who was advocating for a civilian oversight board. Uh, and we don't have that. So yeah, like talking on the governor level, like you can, you can make that a thing where you, if you can't mandate it, you can at least mandate laws that are supportive of that and incentivize that. Um, uh, and so that, you know, this is, yeah, I agree. This is as someone who feels very passionate about this issue. Sure, I know people say defund the police was a bad name uh, and a bad uh, title. And I actually even talked about this uh, with with Jeffrey Lord. Shout out Jeffrey uh, th uh, on his podcast. Go check that out. Um, uh, he he interviewed me uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, and so that's out on the Funky Town podcast. But we talked about I was this. About to say, are you? I was about to say, are you cheating on me? <laughs> We're spreading the love around, spreading the love around. But we talked about the defund <laughs> the police thing. And, how, you know, a lot of people uh, just think, think that that's a bad name. And I, and I guess I get it. Like, that seems to be the consensus across the board a couple of years later. Like, no one likes that name. But I, I think, you know, it still is the solution. For, from my perspective, the police need less money. They need less resources. Because if we keep giving them more and more and more, um, they're just going to continue to abuse their power. And so, like, this is not even to talk about the militarization of police. Because all of that, a lot of that is just gifted to them from the military or they have to pay like a dollar for it or something like it's like they're getting a lot of that stuff the tanks and the rocket launchers and the rpgs and all of that like they're just getting that for free um and so all of this other funding is going towards you know the mass surveillance capital surveillance capitalism essentially where the the police are now you know essentially intelligence agents on our own populations where essentially the techniques that we use, and I, I recommend reading The Counter-Revolution, this fantastic book by Bernard e. Har uh, Bernard e. Harcourt, where he kind of details this. There's a, there's a bunch of books out there now that are kind of kind of focusing on this. The Rise of the Warrior Cop, Brendan McQuaid, is, is kind of another, another aspect of this. Um, this, this is the new, the new trend where the American people are the insurgents, and we're essentially pretending like we're the CIA in, you know, Iran in the 1960s or something, and we're setting things up. Uh, that's what we're doing to our own people. And police officers are essentially more and more empowered to just gather all intelligence on us. So it can be used against us when they need to use it against us. Um, another thing on this, I'll stop talking about this in a second, but another thing is example of this is these fusion centers. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google fusion center. Um, this is a new kind of like under the radar sort of thing that, we have across the country, not, I don't know if every state has them, but Texas has five or six of them. Uh, and these centers are essentially, uh, they're called fusion because they are fusing the federal government, the FBI uh, databases, the NSA databases with local PD. 
Uh, and each fusion center is operated independently. They have like their own director who kind of guides them on what they want to spend their resources on. So here in Texas, if a fusion center, you know, head wants to spend their time and resources looking up information on people that are trying to go out of state for abortions, for instance, uh, they could. Uh, and so this is, again, just like when we talk about giving money and fully funding the police, as Abbott put it, I mean, as, a, as Beto put it, like this is what we're fully funding them for to essentially take more of our rights and freedoms and privacy away from us. So like that's I don't I'm not really, you know, for that. And I, I think the police serve a purpose. I'm not saying we need to get rid of them and abolish the police. Right. Like some people believe that. Um, but what we need to do is repurpose them to be, again, people focused and people centered. And right now. We have this warrior mm -hmm. mentality where like it's us against them and they feel like we are the enemy, right? And uh, they're supposed to be working for us, right? Like they're supposed to be protecting us. That's what, that's what it's supposed to be. Um, and you can get into the history of police and kind of say that's not even true <laughs> and that police were never created to protect us. You could say that because that's true. Um, but if we're building a society, you know, with the, with the laws and freedoms that we say are important, right? Um, then we need to make them work for us. So, okay, I don't know. I, I that to me, that's like Abbott's. I'm, I keep calling him Abbott. Jeez Louise, that's Beto. <laughs> that's Beto's worst answer to me. I don't know. What do you think, Thomas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely messed up. Okay, let's let's just move on. Abbott's. I have Abbott's clip on that, but we're getting kind of long in this, and we know how Abbott feels about defund the police. We don't need to hear him talk about it again uh let's get to the grid the grid's an, uh, another hot topic of course right so here are their responses on on that a question for you and just so you know we use this as a jumping off point to then craft our own question for you so here is douglas tyler out of hayes county with his question douglas governor what steps would you take to ensure that there's not another ERCOT failure like we had during the winter of 2021 how would you increase the generation capacity and reliability is it time for Texas to face reality and join the rest of the country in a cooperative grid system? Okay, clearly Douglas asked a lot of questions about the grid. Many Texans have similar questions, so we're going to break them down one by one. And for that, I will send it back over to my colleague, Steve. Thank you, Britt. And I want to thank Douglas for that question. And, and Governor Abbott, first for you. Following the outages in February of 2021, the legislature passed 18 different pieces of legislation aimed at improving the grid. An energy expert, Ed Hers from the University of Houston, said last month, quote, no question the grid's better than it was at this time last year. The governor says it's never been more reliable. But if you're getting up off the floor, any kind of movement is better than what it was, end quote. Governor Abbott, what do you make of that assessment of the state grid? Are you confident in its reliability? You have 60 seconds. Very confident. In fact, I even guaranteed the power would stay on before we faced that winter afterwards. When Beto was campaigning, saying that the grid was going to fail in the winter and summer, his campaign hopes fell apart because the laws that I signed did secure the grid. Ever since I signed those reform laws, no Texan has lost power because of the Texas power grid. I know this, Steve, and that is this summer, we set 11 all-time records for heat. Time and again, the power grid was able to keep up, and it's because of the reforms we were able to make. And so the power grid remains more resilient, more reliable than ever before. To go ahead and, and answer Douglas's question, which we appreciate, one reason why it's more reliable is because we have greater power available to us and the, a greater ability uh, by the Public Utilities Commission to address it. But also, we are, are going to be adding more renewable power, I mean non-renewable power, uh, such as natural gas, to make sure that the power stays on. Thank you, Governor. Mr. O'Rourke, same question. You know, there hasn't natural been any major issues with renewable. the grid the with outages since the winter of 2021. What do you make of the changes that Governor Abbott and le the legislature put in to make the grid more reliable? They say more reliable. 
What would you do differently? You have 60 seconds. Governor Abbott's grid failure is part of a pattern over these last eight years. Warned about, for example, school violence and gun violence specifically against children, does nothing. Um, warned about problems within Child Protective Services, our foster care program, does nothing, and it gets worse. Warned before February 2021 that we had problems in the grid, he did nothing. When the blackout started, he ordered the price of electricity pegged at its highest allowable rate. Gas yep. started trading at 200 times what it had sold for the day before. Now we are all paying 45 bucks more on average in our monthly utility bills. It's the Abbott tax that all of us pay. 700 of our fellow Texans lost their lives because of his incompetence and his inability to do what was necessary before February of 2021. And the kicker is the grid is still not fixed. Just ask Toyota. They stopped their third shift in San Antonio because it was drawing too much power. We had thir three conservation notices this summer. We are not ready for this next winter. We need a governor who's going to do the right thing. Thank you, Mr. Rourke. Governor, I'll give you 30 seconds. Sure. All Beto does is fearmonger on this issue, when in reality, uh, the grid is more resilient and reliable uh, than it's ever been. I do want to respond to the price because, importantly, Texans need to know this. And that is, after Yuri, after the uh, reforms were passed, uh, Texas has one of the lowest electricity prices in the country, far below the national average, and less than half of what the electricity price is in California. It's, you, one, of, it's one of the fastest growing um, costs in the state of Texas. And when you look at our higher energy bills, our higher property taxes, 20 billion more under Greg Abbott, you see that he's the largest driver of inflation in the state of Texas right now. I'll give you 15 seconds, Governor. Sure. So he just makes this stuff up uh, because, That's all again, the, the reality is that the electricity cost in Texas uh, remains one of the lowest in the entire United States of America uh, and far lower than the national average. Ask the people who are paying it. Thank you, gentlemen. Sally has the next question. <laughs> Ask the people who are paying <laughs> I mean, that's the real point, though. Like, I don't care how much it costs in California. I am living in Texas and making Texas wages, right? We still got the friggin' minimum wage right. here, right, bro? Like, so, yeah, things better be cheaper here. Um, but is it cheaper here's for what me? I love. Here's, here's what I love. Okay, so, so just so you all know, nationwide, our infrastructure is fucking failing, okay? Oh, man. Um, yeah. I got something... Right from the San Antonio Current, okay. There have been a hundred, I mean, yeah, 1,542 weather related out outages documented in the U.S. over, over a 20 year store study, right? Mm -hmm. 180 were in Texas. Michigan ranked se second with 132, and California third with 129. Um, U.S. residents experienced 64% more major power outages between 2011 and 2021 than during the previous decade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. During the most recent decade, the average annual number of power outages specifically related to weather events also shut up, shut up by 78%. Yep. It's climate change. This is, this is a, yeah. a side effect of climate change. But here's the thing. Democrats in Texas have been talking about weatherizing or power grid mm -hmm. since like the early 2000s. You know? Yep. Republicans, like Greg Abbott, have been shooting this down and fighting this off at every fucking turn. Okay. So Abbott trying to say he's not responsible for the power grid. Yeah, it's it's just monumentally false. Like he literally created this problem, and his answer was terrible. Like he was fumbling all over his cell. He didn't have anything to say. Beto uses it as an opportunity to point at all the other things that he hasn't fixed or done anything about, which I think was was smart and a good good juxtaposition. 
So yeah, I mean, our grip. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky. This was the hottest summer on record by far, and like with that, we did miraculously make it through without, uh, you know, without anything bad happening. But we still got a winter coming up. We'll see how that one goes. Like you know, it is always tenuous, and that's not a good thing. So you know, I let you say, dude, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be so mad if like. Abbott wins, and then we have another power outage like immediately afterwards. Like, oh man, it'd be funny to an extent, but at the same time, it's like you know, people are gonna die again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, like, remember, folks, we're talking about over 700 people in Texas dying. Yep, unnecessary, totally preventable. Yeah, like this could have been stopped. Um, now I know the Bitcoin bros love this shit. I have a friend who. He's really big on building mining facilities and stuff. He loves all this deregulation and stuff because it's great for him, you know, because he can basically do whatever the hell he wants. But that's not okay for everybody else. I mean, that's the thing. And especially in this state, we always prioritize the non-human entities, the corporations, the money entities, right, rather than uh, people. And so that's our problem. That's our problem. Uh, Finishing up, we'll, we'll, we'll do a couple more. Here's one. To me, this was a big deal. And to me, as a teacher... This was all I needed to hear. I'm not really a single issue voter, but this is an issue where it's like that I will vote for you pretty much just because of this. So this is this is on education and teachers. Here, here we go. Got to talk about education tonight, gentlemen. Okay, there's a lot of uh, teachers who are watching and who would like to know the answer to this next question. Texas school districts are hampered by an unprecedented teacher retention crisis. A Texas teacher workforce report reveals there were more than 13,000 new teachers in Texas for the start of the 2010-2011 school year. Okay, look at that number. Flash forward the 2019-2020 school year. Less than half of those teachers remain. Former teachers cited everything from pay to burnout to safety as problems. Mr. O'Rourke, I want to start with you for this next question. How are you going to keep qualified teachers in the classroom when you have 60 seconds? I mentioned earlier that Amy and I are raising our three children in El Paso where they attend the world-class public schools there. And we know firsthand the important job that those educators do. And I want every educator out there to know that I've got your back. And I'm gonna make sure that we pay you enough not to work a second or a third job because of Greg Abbott. Our teachers are underpaid on average by $7,500 a year. I'm gonna ensure that you have more valuable classroom time to connect with those kids. So we're gonna stop the STAR test and allow you to focus on drawing forth that lifelong love of learning from every child before you. For our retired teachers, I'll make sure you have a cost of living adjustment every single year going forward. You haven't had one in 18 years, eight of those on Greg Abbott's watch. And most importantly, I will treat you with the dignity and respect that you have earned and that you deserve. You sacrifice and give so much to our kids and to the state. We need to make sure we're holding up our end of the bargain. As governor, I will. Uh, 30 seconds to respond to this follow-up. You say that you do support teachers. Do you support giving them a pay raise if you're elected? And if so, how are you going to pay for that? Absolutely, I want to give them a pay raise. Uh, I want to make sure, again, that they're not working that second or third job. What I propose to do, and there's Republican and Democratic support for this, is raise the state's share of school funding. Right now, we ask property taxpayers, the homeowners and renters out there, to shoulder the majority of the burden. I want to make sure that the state is shouldering its fair share. We do that. We can reduce your property taxes at home and provide more funding for our schools, increase teacher pay, and more per-pupil funding in every district in Texas. Thank you, Mr. Work. Governor Abbott, same question. How are you going to keep qualified teachers in the classroom? Is a question. Can you answer that for me in 30 seconds? I will, but i, I got to say that... Uh, Raise the state share of education funding is exactly what we did both in 2019 and 2021. In fact, uh, I provided more funding for education than any governor in Texas history. I provided more funding for teacher pay raises than any governor in Texas history. As we gather here tonight, Sally, the per pupil funding in the state of Texas is at the highest that's ever been. 
So we will work with the teachers to make sure. And I created a new program. I can oh, tell you about. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds. This is okay. your 60 second answer. Go ahead. I, I created a new program. Uh -huh. uh, it uh, provides a six figure salary for teachers, more than $100,000. Uh, it was uh, used very effectively and broadly in the Dallas County or Dallas Independent School District area, uh, and it's catching on around the state. Uh, if teachers will dedicate themselves to be these master teachers, uh, they will be able to earn a six-figure salary. Educators watching tonight, 15 seconds or less, are you gonna give them a pay raise if you are reelected? Yes, we just as we have given them a pay raise in the past, we will continue those pay raises going forward. He's been governor for eight years. They're still underpaid $7,500 okay. against their national counterparts. Per pupil you, funding let me, let me give is 4,000 seconds. Down. Go ahead, I'll give you 15 seconds, but we can't talk over each other, go ahead. Per, per pupil funding in the state is $4,000 less than our counterparts. Uh, across the country. Educational attainment is at an all-time low pre-pandemic. In the average fourth grade classroom in Texas, um, most of those fourth graders could not read okay, at grade time level. Up, Mr. We need to get the backs of those teachers. Time is up. We're going to go. Yeah, man, it's just kind of a okay. joke. Uh, yeah, I guess, sorry, you go, you go first. You see what I'm saying, right? He got a straight minute. They gave app, they gave Beto 15 seconds. To respond. Beto, got, were, the, Beto got the first answer. And Beto they got were rude first. about it. But you're right. You're Beto right. got what? Uh, Beto just got the first answer. They gave him a full minute, but you're right. Like he was supposed to get a 30 second response and they gave him another minute. They gave him a 30 more seconds. But yeah, they're just, they, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying for sure. But like, I mean, this, this is, I'm just, I, I like hearing Abbott just say, I've given more money than ever before in Texas history. Like to me just goes to show how bad it is. Cause like, bro, you've spent more money than ever, and we're still terrible. We're still, you're still awful. You haven't actually and done he's anything. Probably, I can almost guarantee you that if there's any truth to that, those numbers, there's no adjustment for inflation. Well, and that's the thing. There's, I'm trying to remember the. <laughs> certainly, I agree with you. No adjustment for inflation, and there was a law. I want to say it was under Bush. It might have been part of the left the child, no child left behind thing. I'm not exactly sure. Um, where they, you know, the funding didn't have to come from the state. The funding could come from other areas to like ease the burden on the state. Um, but it's public school. It's supposed to be funded by the state. That's the whole point of public school is it's free and it's paid for by everybody. This is again, you know, we see this at colleges in 49 other countries. They got free colleges. Um, we, we don't. Um, and it's again, it's just, do we value education or not? So it's like Beto, like just the thing I was talking about at the beginning was like getting rid of the star test. Like, please, can we please? That thing has not helped anybody. I haven't met a single teacher yeah. since it's been instituted that likes that test. It ruins school. The students hate it. Like for me as a teacher, it takes away all of my teaching time. I have to, I mean, there's probably, probably. 20%, 15 to 20% of the time, days of the year that I could be spending time teaching the kids, I instead am either testing for benchmarks because we have three or four benchmarks before the actual test uh, or testing right. for other grades that are not my subject because they need teachers to provide those tests too. So either way, I'm still losing instruction time. My students end up in the auditorium for the day. And so it's like this, I hate these tests. And that's not even to consider the fact that they aren't good at measuring anything, uh, that they, you know, they're, it's demoralizing to a lot of students who maybe don't fit into certain, you know, categories, right? We're all human beings. We're all very different. Um, but this, uh, you know, this test is trying to, is, uh, is, is trying to measure something that only a small number of people are actually proficient at and good at. So it doesn't even serve 
an instructional purpose like at all, but it doesn't really even serve like a purpose for the administration or for the school is trying to actually value or judge where their students are at. Like, it's just not a good tool for that. Uh, and so like, it's a good tool for feeling like you're doing something. <laughs> yeah. I think you nailed it there. It is a, it very much is that. And that's kind of what a lot of education is. Unfortunately, is like we say we're doing something, but we're not. Okay. Okay. Um, let's wrap it up. So there's a few more, but I don't, I don't want to hit all of them. Uh, do you want to do property taxes or do you want to just go ahead and go to closing statements? Uh, the closing statements, okay. property taxes. I know. Yeah. Like it's, it sucks because it's important because it's like one of the only ways we can raise taxes. So the nuances of what we do with them are important. Listener, if you want to hear the property taxes section, it's the very end of the, of the debate. Like the last five, 10 minutes is that. So you can click on the YouTube link below and watch that. I, I will, I will say this on property taxes. The only reason they're so high in Texas is because Greg Abbott has to keep his corporate daddies happy. So you're paying their taxes for them. Yep, and it affects all that's of us. How, um, that's how come pro property taxes go up, but our tax dollars aren't going as far because we're not taxing corporations like we used to. Yep, very much so. Fortunately, right. this coming year uh, is when the, if you own a home, uh, the um, homestead exemption is worth way more. So it used to it used to be I forget the exact number, but they've increased it like by twelve grand or something. So that takes if you are a homeowner, that's like twelve grand that you don't have to pay towards your property taxes. So it kind of reduces your property tax burden. So that's a benefit. Hope that's not an Abbott thing. That's something that we voted as a proposition. Um, but that's for those who are worried about property taxes. That's something when we file our taxes next year that we can look forward to, I guess. Even though all the other middle class exemptions for the regular IRS stuff, all that's gone because of the Trump tax bill, the 2017 tax bill. So yeah, okay, here we go. I'll finish it up. Here's the closing statements for these guys. Made it. That's all the time we have for questions tonight. And now it's time for your closing statement. So Mr. O'Rourke, we'll start with you tonight. 30 seconds for your closing statement. Your time starts now. Thank you. Look, I, I don't think that Greg Abbott wakes up wanting to see children shot in their schools or for the grid to fail but it's clear that he's incapable or unwilling to make the changes necessary to prioritize the lives of our fellow Texans. That's why it's on all of us to make sure that we have change at the ballot box this November 8th. I'll keep your lights on. I'll make sure that I keep your kids safe. We'll reduce property taxes and we'll prioritize the lives of each and every single Texan in this state. Mr. O'Rourke, thank you so much. Now, Governor Abbott, your 30 seconds starts now. Texas ranks number one for the most new jobs added since you've reelected. We're number one for Blue Ribbon Schools, number one for Tier 1 Research Universities, uh, and, and number one in so many categories. I'm running for re-election to keep Texas number one, to cut your property taxes, to secure the border, to keep dangerous criminals behind bars, and to keep deadly fentanyl off our streets. Together, we will keep Texas number one. Governor Abbott, thank you so much. And that concludes our debate tonight. I want to thank the candidates and our moderators for being... All right. So, I mean, 30 seconds is... Not really enough time to say anything substantial, but there's their little taglines that they've rehearsed a lot. Uh, so, so vote, you know, voter, listener, please, please, please vote in November. Please vote for our governor. You know, vote your heart. Like, you know, obviously we are a left-leaning podcast. That's that's our bias, but we hope you can use the information that we bring to you guys to kind of decide for yourself. Hopefully we've made the case that Abbott sucks and that he's bad for all of us. Um, so I hope you go vote for Beto as a result. But let's, again, hold our politicians accountable, right? Like, we can't let them just, you know, give them a mandate to do whatever they want once they're in office. We, we need to 
you know, hold him accountable, keep an eye on him. What do you think? What do you think the likelihood, Thomas, of, of Beto actually you coming out on this? Um, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. I want to say Beto wins, but I think Abbott's still going to pull it off. Unfortunately. Yeah, I think if if I had to put money on it, it would probably be Abbott. I would not put money on Abbott just because of the principle. It would just it would just feel bad. I would feel gross. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think Abbott's probably the one that's more likely to win of the two. Um, but there are unknowns. There are still time. I mean, the last day this should come out uh, on Monday, an Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, the last day to register to vote to get your thing in the mail to register is the 11th, the Tuesday, upcoming Tuesday. Uh, that after that, uh, you if you're not registered, you can't vote in November. So please make sure you you do that uh, again. Uh, we'll I'll, I'll copy the spreadsheet from last episode down below so you can check out um, the uh, the Democratic candidates. I wish we had the time to kind of go over the Republicans and like why not to vote for them. Um, but you know, we kind of went over the, the, the Republican party platform and that kind of serves that purpose. We don't, we don't like any of that platform. None of it makes any sense. It's all bonkers crazy. So you can go back and listen to that episode and see why exactly anybody who supports that just, I think shouldn't be in office. Uh, another one just real quick before we're done, like, please go vote for Deborah peoples and, and not Tim O'Hare, right? Like I really think, you know, we're focused on this whole episode was kind of about the governor's race, but here in Tarrant County. Like if Tim O'Hare becomes the county judge, like I think change things will change for the for the worse here, and like not by a little bit, but by a lot. So that's something that we really we really do need to to try and try and keep you know swing this race here in Tarrant County to to being a Democrat on the on the county county commissioner's court. Yep. Well, Thomas, you got anything else for us to share with us? Thoughts on all of this stuff before we get out of here? Um, I think, and not to disparage the great state of Texas, but I think that the state of Texas has probably the worst group of voters ever just because they keep electing people like Ken Paxton and Greg Abbott. Like, are we all collectively drunk here? Like, what is, I need someone to explain to me. Yeah why it's going on because this is i mean it's also the re the restrictions right like they're trying to wipe people from the voter rolls trying to keep people of color disabled people elderly people from that's another voting. huge part of it too yeah so i mean it's it's like it's working you know the stuff that they've been doing to prevent people from mm -hmm. voting is working um so to win you know to, to kind of turn this out like again tarrant county has been purple the last two cycles like you know uh Tarrant County went purple for for Beto when he ran it for Senate. It went purple for Biden. Um, so or went blue for both of those guys, which makes it purple. So it's it's possible Tarrant County could go blue for this. It's it's with it's in the cards. But we we all got to show up. Midterm elections are always you know off year. People don't show up for them. So uh, we really really got to turn out large numbers to make it happen. So please do hit us up on uh, Twitter at FW Review or send us uh, an email at uh, FW Freedom Review. Or hit us, up, hit us up on Instagram at Fort Worth Freedom Review. Send us any stories you want us to cover, any information about candidates or anything like that, uh, any questions you may have about the election. So, thanks again for listening, and have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.